0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. I invite you, if you're able, to stand with me for reading of God's Word. This is from Titus chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 3 and read through verse 8. For we ourselves, we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that he poured out richly on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure. I desire that you insist on these things so that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On one particular day, I was cursing sidewalks. The house that we had at the time had sidewalks in the front yard, and there was grass on either side of the sidewalk, which means extra edging, It means extra watering, and we didn't have a sprinkler system, so it meant that I was having to hand water these strips of grass around these sidewalks, and so I was cursing sidewalks for all the extra work they were requiring of me to keep from wasting water. Now, I remember this day because it was the same day that I met Alex, and Alex was a talkative guy, but he wouldn't tell me what his name was. He was full of all kinds of thoughts and ideas and questions. And whenever I come across, you know, something in a book or something that someone says, I, I tend to want write, to write it down and maybe remember it and think about it. Kind of like I've done with your questions today. Set it aside, maybe stew on it for a while and think about it. So you may not get an answer to your questions today. In the same way maybe that Alex didn't get answers to his questions. Well, Anyway, Alex and I entered into this hour-long conversation. It was actually more than an hour. And we talked about God, and we talked about uh, immigration. We talked about public transportation, cars, and sidewalks. Now, of all these things, I I learned a lot about Alex. And one thing is that Alex did not believe in God, believed God was made up. Not anything other than just a figment of human imagination. He also it was an equal opportunity. He didn't really believe in people either. <laughs> he didn't like them, didn't think he could trust them, was really uncertain about people. And he wasn't really big on the United States either. He, he felt like that the United States draws people in by reputation, and people come to this country expecting things, and then they get Low paying jobs and they're mistreated, and they really aren't involved in this melting pot of a country. Well, on and on and on our conversation goes, ranging far and wide. With him telling me about automobile commercials and how they just try to sell you a car because everyone has to have a car to be able to exist in the United States because you got to drive. Well, he, he asked me kind of what I did, and I said, Well, I, I help people. I help people learn how to live, and he kept probing, and and he he said, oh, well, I know where your church is, because I had invited him to come. That's where my bus stop is. He is a substitute teacher, and he would make the the bus stop, and then he would walk this two-lane road a mile from the bus stop to get to the high school where he would teach. And he said, you know, there's no sidewalk along this road. So here I am, a college-educated person, a master's degree, walking to high school to be a substitute teacher. And he said, I bet those kids for sure don't take me seriously when they see this old guy walking along in the dirt. And so Alex had a lot going on, right? I mean, (laughs) there's a lot for him to think about. And it, it made me think, oh, yeah, these sidewalks that I'm cursing for having to water around and edge around, They're not just something that's a nuisance. They're a thoroughfare. They're not just something for us to exercise on. They really mean something. Well, it was my turn to kind of ask Alex a question. I'd done a lot of listening. And so I said, well, Alex, you don't believe in God. You don't think much of people at all. So I wonder, how do you order your life? How do you make sense of your life? Pretty fair question, right? You know what he said? Nothing. He didn't give an answer. In the same way, he wouldn't tell me his name or he wouldn't tell me what his country was of origin. He would not tell me how he made sense of his life other than the clues that he'd already given that it was going to have nothing to do with God and it was certainly going to be not relying upon people. Well, as I heard Alex talk and as I listened to him, I couldn't help but agree. You know, if you look at people, People are somewhat despicable. And I, I know if you, when I hear that term despicable, I kind of think Daffy Duck. Does anybody else say that? You hear despicable. Well, Paul uses it here. And, and, I, and I, ha- I know that we're extra hard sometime on religious people, especially Christians, where we say, oh, their lives don't match up. They're, they're, too, they're too, uh, too religious. They're too political. They're too whatever, right? Too full of their own opinions. But it's not religious people, this is about humans. Humans, in so many ways, don't get their lives together. They are full of envy, aren't we, for what somebody else has that we don't have. A car that they have, or a house that they live in, or some job that they got that we didn't get. And we are driven a lot by our desires and our passions. Our desires, like sexuality, are used to sell us shampoo and cars and everything else, capitalizing on the wants that we have and trying to get our dollars separated from us. So many things about our lives don't really add up, and I I look at what Paul says, and Paul says basically the same thing, doesn't he? Our lives, we were once foolish, all of these things being given to our passions, and I think Paul, if Paul got to sit down with Alex, would agree that they are indeed prone to their own devices. Let me me read it to you, just a phrase of it again. We ourselves, we were once foolish. We were disobedient. We were led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. Despicable. There it is again. Sorry, Daffy Duck. And so, I have to agree with Alex, but that's not the rest of the story. Yes, humans are despicable, but God is remarkable. God steps in and wants to save us, and we get this great appearance. When the appearance of the loving kindness of God shows up, we get to see something marvelous and amazing. God appears among us making visible, making manifest something about who God is. Now for me, my question a lot of times is kind of like Mark's. Why in the world would God love us? I mean, why, if we're so despicable, if we're so prone to our own pleasure and devices, why wouldn't God just like ignore us and let us die off? Why wouldn't God just say, okay, well, why don't we wipe them out, take proactive measures? Why wouldn't he just forget about this whole venture entirely? He doesn't do that. Out of his passion and love for us, he reaches out and does what is amazing, chooses to save us. And I don't know what that is, Mark. I don't know if that is God seeing his own image in us and wanting to rescue that, resuscitate that, draw that out where other people can see it, But God does it by appearing among us as Jesus. And he does it not because of any good thing that we do. There's no good work, no action that triggers this for God to act in this way. We can't sustain that relationship. It would break down if it were on our shoulders. In fact, sometimes we think we can control it by doing this good or that good to where God somehow owes us the life that he's given to us as a gift. But that's almost like using magic. You know about magic, where you try to use powers to accomplish something that you want. That's magic. We're not conjuring up God to try to get him on our side. He has done this, this great love, out of his love. And there is no answer for that. There is no great explanation for why God would show love in this way. But he does. And that's a love that some of us choose to soak in. We just want to be in the middle of that love. And others of us, like, jump out and get away from it as quickly as we can. Kind of like Charlie Brown's friend Pigpen. If he ever gets close to water, that guy's going to get out of the water quickly. And the way that God chooses to do this is to pour out his spirit on us through the washing of renewal. When we hear this Holy Spirit language, we hear Jesus' arrival among us in baptism language. And here at First Christian, you see our baptistry. We are a group of people that when folks want to connect with God, that's the pathway of connecting with God. And it's like a story, not not a story of Jesus' life, but it enacts the whole story. Where someone is plunged down, consumed with water, In a similar way, we are consumed with God. We're surrounded by the presence of God, holding our breath for a moment, not so that we drown, but we model that death where we stand back up. We're raised to live again, and we draw in that first breath of the Holy Spirit, a breath that, like the first one we took out of the womb, is a breath that is a gift of God. And we're believers in baptism. That's we believe what God does through baptism to model and show for us this story of how he's acting in the world. God's move of salvation is solely up to God. Sometimes I I, I will refer to it as this is God's persistent action to overcome our foolishness. Because I make mistakes all the time. I don't know about you, But God's move of salvation is one to just overcome all the foolishness, all those things that we do, and it doesn't make logical sense at all. Okay, so we're back on our story here. Well, while humans are despicable and God is remarkable, this remarkable action of God enables us to do good works. Good works, like salvation, like baptism, are not what saves us it is God who saves us and at every point this is a passage about grace and we look at verse 5 and we see that we're not saved by any work that we do and we know that we lead with that and that's correct because salvation is not our achievement it is something that we receive we take as a gift from God undeserved in every possible way and so salvation the taproot of salvation is not what we have done to save ourselves it's what god has done the fruit of that life is good works i know sometimes in christianity we're really prone to downplay all the good works that we do oh you can't save yourself you're just you're you're worthless you're good for nothing you are not able to do anything at all and we will look at a verse like this in verse five we can't save ourselves And yet, if good works are the fruit of our discipleship, maybe we should get a full picture of what Paul says here in these chapters. Look at verse 1. This is a verse that I didn't read. Remind them to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for what? Every good work. In verse 8 that I did read, it says that we are to be careful to devote ourselves to good works. In verse 14, a passage that I didn't read today, we are to be devoted to good works of meeting other people's needs. Now, that's three times in this one chapter where it's positively said that we're to be involved in good works. If you look back in chapter two, there are two times that it positively says we're to be involved in good works. And that's in verse 7, where we're to be models or examples. And then down in verse 14, when we're purified by Jesus to be zealous for good works. So, we can't earn our salvation. But the good works that we do is us being caught up in the life of God. Well, if I come back to our friend Alex. And again, I don't know if this is his name or not. I had to make up a name. But sometimes these things stick in our minds when we curse sidewalks and then in the same day meet someone who needs those sidewalks. I think about churches as a place where we're building sidewalks, where there are a lot of people that pass by our building every day, And they will take advantage of those sidewalks. They will go somewhere and not stay with us. And we we can't control that. But as Christians, what we're doing is eliminating the obstacles, eliminating the barriers for people to come to God. And so I try to think about how we are building sidewalks in our own lives. We recognize that we're all saved. That what we share in common with all humanity is that we're all in that despicable category, but not so despicable that God isn't willing to do amazing things and to go to great lengths to attach God's self to this creation. That, to me, is amazing. And as we offer our prayers to God, which would connect us with Old Testament believers as well as New Testament believers, we offer our prayers to God. We're doing so through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't separate these things out as if there are three segmented, divided up parts of God. God is one, but yet we're praying to this God who through Jesus has filled us with his Holy Spirit. And that's something that we can share with all of humanity. And we remove the barriers from them being able to see God and recognize God. And that means that we're able to communicate through our lives, maybe through good works, something of the power of God. Because if they can see our weaknesses, if they can see our stumbling, and yet still see our faith in God, and know that we believe that God loves us too, you know what that's going to mean for them? They're going to believe that in their mistakes, however big they are, that God loves them as well and that they can travel this life together with us. So, yes, we're sometimes despicable, but God is remarkable in his love for us and what he has done for us. And that enables us to be able to do good wherever we go. As we've been on this journey through the month of December, we've been looking at Jesus arriving. We've explored a lot of things like stumps. that We don't let the dead, dry stump of our life take away our hope. We've also believed that what we water in our life, whatever twigs we water, are what will grow. And we want to be a people who are watering joy, where we're singing and shouting and declaring the joy that God has given us wherever we go. And like we learned a week before Christmas, last week, Our circumstances, the people that are around us, do not get determined whether or not we have peace. We can choose that peace regardless of the craziness of the world around us. And on Christmas Eve, we again sang a new song to let these words echo. God is king. The Lord is king. This message of Jesus arriving among us is good to speak about at any and every season. And it's one that calls us into the life of God, into a life where, as Christians, maybe we're not so much known by our sidewalks or by our sermons or by even our fantastic music, which I told Jimmy and the group, you guys should just keep singing today. It's so good today. We're not known by any of those things, but we're known by our love, That's what Jesus said would be the marker for how people see whether or not we're Christians. Are they a loving group of people? Let's pray. God, we just praise you that you have arrived among us. That you have come and connected yourself to this world through Jesus. And we thank you that even with his leaving of this world in a physical sense, the Holy Spirit you sent to each of us as a gift, a gift that we receive in baptism, a gift that's really at play and at work before we're baptized, because your presence is everywhere. We just thank you for your work in our lives and in this world, and we ask you that we will be a people who clear the way for others to hear good news, that you love them, and then you want to journey in their life with them. We pray all this through Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit as one God now and forever. Amen.